Yes, thank you. From flockwithus.com, I'm Joe Rilla, and this is the Flock With Us podcast. A show about myself, and in simplest terms, the people that I flock with. Welcome. Welcome to the Flock With Us podcast. Today, episode two, our guest, our guest, my guest is Auntzilla from Nashville, Tennessee. Ounce has a great story. He is a road manager and currently manager for music recording artist Yellow Wolf. Quite a interesting character. Um, when I first met Auntzilla, dude had a really interesting uh, uh, vibe about him. And there's something about him that I just couldn't get out of my head. There was something special about him. Every time I talk to him, he always helps me with anything I ever need. Anything I ever need. Auntzilla is a very interesting individual, as you'll see. A couple notes on the podcast. This is a free podcast. Uh, I do encourage you to go to staplepigeon.com and shop be a friend however i'm not sponsored by staple pigeon but uh that is i rose from the staple rose from the pigeon the pigeon religion uh check it out i'd like to just enjoy the podcast let me just tell you i'm just not that big on intros i don't know why i can't do intros just can't do intros episode two with auntzilla i'd like to start this episode with a quote This means everything to me. Yes, thank you. You know that saying like, don't ask for permission, ask for forgiveness? I say don't ask for either. Don't ask for shit. Just show what you are worth with what you make. Don't ask for nothing. I don't need anyone's approval. I just show you what I do and you make your judgment based off of that. We are live. Zilla, this is called Flock With Us, the podcast. Well, I guess you call it the podcast. No episode. Right. It just is what it is. Yeah. That's what's up. What do you like to be called? I know you as Zilla. Zilla, man. That's it. Zilla? You do yeah. many interviews? Uh, I've done probably two. Yeah? I don't do a lot of interviews where are they now. I'm behind the scenes. <laughs> I don't even know where the fuck they're at. Uh was online a while ago. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So I know you do uh, photography. Mm-hmm. I know you do video production, videos, and... You road manager? Is it road manager or tour manager? manager? Tour manager. Yeah, for, for Yellow, Wolf. Yellow Wolf. Yep. And what did you do before that? I mean, really, before that, I sold merch for Wolf. Um, I've been his tour photographer. Mm-hmm. I played a lot of different roles at Wolf. Um, VP of operations at American, which means you had a whole bunch of shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I played a lot of different roles at Wolf, but tour managing really works out. Uh, we work well together, so. Okay. I've been doing it probably almost three years now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's your full time? Tour manager. Tour manager. Yeah. yeah. As you say, and it's really weird to see you to see you uh, without your phone. It's in my pocket. <laughs> right, right, right. Every time I see you, you're on that phone. Got to man. All the time. So let me take you back to when uh, I first met you, and there's a reason why. Mm-hmm. I guess I don't know too much about you. Mm-hmm. I know what I know. You know what right, I mean? Right, and right. what we've been through. So. 
about 2010, I was doing uh, a whole bunch of media video stuff with I Jelly remember Roll. remember that very clearly. With, with yeah. Jelly Roll, right? And uh, Emac. Emac had to get me on to to work with Jelly Roll, and I worked mm-hmm. with Jelly Roll before and to interview him. So they were like, yeah, let's go do the photo shoot for this uh, new album. Mm-hmm. So we do the, and they said, oh, meet us on, uh, was it 3rd Avenue? Oh, in my studio? The Phoenix Room. The Phoenix Room, yeah, uh, 3rd Avenue South. 3rd Avenue South. And I was like, man, this is cool shit. So we go in there, and on the wall of the room that they were in, ironing clothes, and this is like a full-fledged studio, mm-hmm. right? Right. Big old Phoenix, mm-hmm. right? And then they go inside, and there's this dude in a tank top. Of course, he was in a tank top, mm-hmm. clean shaven. You didn't have the beard then. <laughs> Right? Right. Pyramid necklace. Yep. Right? Well, you got a hell of a memory. Man. Yeah. And I remember you just laying on the couch. And I was like, who is that dude? And they were like, that's Zilla. That's Struggles, dude. Because Struggles. Well, I was managing Struggle at the time. Maybe not yet. But after that, I was before Struggle went to prison, I was managing him. Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. Okay. We were homies at that point. I think, I don't think we had, we had moved on to that yet. Not yet? Depending on what year it was. I don't know. So I, I'd met Struggle... About 2008, right. at a studio, my homie, Untouchable Records Studio, JD. Mm-hmm. Uh, we met. I met him out there, Struggle to come out there. I don't know how we met Struggle. I think he was just out in Nashville. And, you know, like one white rapper to another right white rapper was just like, hey, mm-hmm. you rap, I rap. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. And Struggle to come out to the studio. And, you know, my homie JD would put it all down for him, let right. him record. And he was trying to get out of the, the situation he was in or whatever. Right. And uh, that's how I met Struggle. Struggle's a man, man. He was... Uh... I don't know what year it was that shoot happened at the studio. Do you? Mm-mm. I don't know. I, I think I started managing Struggle in like 2010, because 2011 he went to jail. Oh, okay. Or so, so it was about 2010. Yeah. That 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 shoot happened at the Phoenix, yeah. the Phoenix room. Yeah, that's crazy, man. That's way. I'm talking. It's way back. Right. Yeah. I remember the pyramid necklace and the Phoenix room just kind of, and something resonated with me like. We didn't talk much. Right. We didn't say much. You didn't have to. You know what I mean? You're just like a cool dude. That's what's like, up. Likewise, man. Yeah, like Zilla. And I was like, I like that dude. That's I didn't know who he up. was. I was like, why are you just chilling on the couch? Like, <laughs> you were just like on your phone. No shit. Flip phone, I think. Definitely flip phone <laughs> back then. Flip phone on yeah. your couch making shit happen. And we just kind of did our thing there and went on our way. Right. And then um, the next time I see you, uh, uh, DJ Paul, mm-hmm. uh, Yellow Wolf. And DJ Clever. At that video shoot. We did, they did a video shoot. There. That's right. I don't That's know right. what song that was. I've never seen it to this day. I think it day. was called Get Straight. Was it? I believe it was called Get Straight. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it came out. Yeah, but we shot the cover for a concrete then, too. I remember We that. did the hearse. Remember you guys brought the hearse? Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> that was a dope day. Yeah, so that's the second time I met you. And then I was, like, trying to get in. Like, this dude is everywhere. That's, yeah, I you know? And I didn't know. I just knew who Yellow Wolf was. Right. Because in 2000... Just found out about him. Right. right. And in about 2010 or 11, he did that show at Fat Caps. Right. First time anyone ever seen dude at, to that caliber in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Which is an amazing show. Were you there? You don't remember that? No, I, w- I hadn't linked back up with him yet. I remember that show. Yeah. But no, I wasn't there. The first time me and Wolf linked back up was when he played the um, the Mercy Lounge. Oh, over in uh, Cannery or Mercy? Might have been the Cannery. Okay. It's, you know, in that building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, which is crazy. <clears throat> so I was not at Fat Caps, no. Yeah, that Fat Caps one is amazing, though. Yeah, I saw a lot of footage, and that shit looked dope, man. Yeah, 
I had the best audio and footage of that night. You did? Yeah. And yeah, that's yeah. when I met that's when I met Yellow Wolf. Yeah, and I yeah. think I kinda pissed him off a little bit. <laughs> What'd you do? Well, <laughs> I was it was like my first time covering like a concert event for someone right. of that. And I didn't know who he was. So right. I didn't you know, no clue. He was just a the you know, the tall hip hop right. skater dude, just cool laid back and uh they they were closing the doors, they didn't want us to come back in. You know what I mean? To fat cats? Yeah, because okay. after the concert, like, everybody get out. You know, he was just gonna chill. Right. And uh, I was with Concrete and Brian Deese. There was like, oh man, we didn't get the interview. You know, because we were outside doing Ritz. I didn't know what Ritz was either. Right. The dude rocked it. Hell yeah. No, and they're like, the Yellow Wolf. And I was like, well, let's just go in and get it. And they were like, nah. And I was like, no, fuck that. We went in there and pushed, you know, let us in. You know, went in there. We got to film the interview. We interview. So we did the interview with him and it took like, man, about 45 minutes. Brian Deese just bringing up old stuff and good content. Wolf was telling everything. That's what's up. Yeah, about you know going to Alabama, coming back, going to school. I got kicked out of school. You know, see that's where that persistence goes. Man. Yeah, it's, goes a long way. Yeah, so I said, uh, they said, hey, get, hey, get a drop for fat caps. Right. Yellow Wolf. I said, okay. I said, uh, uh, Yellow Wolf. You know, can I get a drop, fat caps? Yeah, fat caps. Blah blah blah. And then Concrete said, hey, get a drop. Get a drop for Concrete. And I was like, hey, can I get a drop for Concrete? Yeah, blah 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 blah. And then uh, someone said, hey, get a drop from him. And I was like, man, when am I going to get my drop? You know what I mean? Because I always try to do mine after the work. Right. So I don't interfere with anyone's work. Right. So he's like, ah, he's doing all the shots. I'm doing all this. And I'm like, hey, just one more. Just one more. And he was like, like that. And then he started to walk away. And I was like, yo, can you do mine? And he was like, God damn. <laughs> I can see Wolf doing Yeah, but not like in a, you know, like in a, not a fuck you manner. Just right, like, right, oh, right. come he on. Like over a, it. Yeah, because yeah. he just did a show. He rocked it. It was hot as shit in there. Yeah. You know, you know, Wolf was down. And uh, he called me the bearded Joe Rilla. <laughs> he called you the bearded Joe Rilla? Yep, yep. He's like, we're here with the bearded Joe Rilla .com. And then I was like, okay, man, that's all I need. And he walked away. <laughs> that's funny shit. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> so from that day since, you know, I linked up with you. Anytime mm -hmm. I need anything, anytime I need access to Slumfest or anything. Oh, I got you. Yeah. yeah, and it's weird. You just, I don't know why you do that. Why do you do that? Man, I thought you was a cool dude too. You know what I mean? We're all we're all connected in some way. It's a small city, you know. Yeah. Thought just, you were, you was always cool to me, so yeah, I know I how it is to, to need the access and shit. Yeah. You know, it makes sense. For sure. So, um, what about before? So this this one is is, is more about Zilla. Mm-hmm. So who is Zilla? Like, where'd you grow up? <clears throat> I grew up in Nashville. I originally came from Delaware, which is for people who don't know where Delaware is, it's about 20 minutes out of Philadelphia. <laughs> you know what I mean? They say Delaware. But, uh, so yeah, I grew up in Nashville, and then uh, I did graffiti. That was my thing when we were young. Mm -hmm. So I got the name Ounce. And then uh, later years, being more in the street, Ounce turned into Ountzilla. OZ, Ountzilla. You know oh, okay. I mean? And just Zilla. So... Yeah, man. So that's what in Nashville. So you ended up in Nashville. Yeah, I mean, mostly at, Antioch. At what age? Antioch. I was like nine years old when I got here. Yeah. Moved away when I was. Uh, I don't know how much of this content you need. You don't need whatever, but if it's about Zilla, I need it. Got it. it was good. <laughs> so about twenty. Let me see. When I was sixteen, I moved back to Delaware, and got diagnosed with something called Guillain-Barré syndrome. Which what 
is a syndrome that attacks the myelin sheath on your nerves, causing you to be completely paralyzed. So I had to learn how to walk again, talk again, do everything all over again. Damn. Yeah, that was a hell of a journey. And then uh, <clears throat> at the time, I was 16. I just told my parents, I was like, the only thing I want to do is move back to Nashville. Like, if I live through this shit, I want to move back to Nashville. Right. So, uh, so that's what they said we'll do, you know. And I stayed in the hospital for about a month. And uh, I had to go through ICU, step down, and rehab, and literally learn how to walk again. Learn how to get dressed again. All that type of shit. And that gave me a different appreciation. And I think put some fuel on the motivation. You know what I mean? Like, right. Made me more motivated, put it that way. And what really. caused that? In younger people, apparently, they don't really know exactly what causes it. But they the, the causes are flu shots, uh, a bacteria in chicken called Campylobacter. Mm-hmm. And then they don't know what else. But I hadn't got it from the chicken, and I hadn't had a flu shot. So they don't know how I got it. But your chances of getting it are one in 100,000. You got a better chance of getting struck by lightning. Yeah, so that was like a big big milestone in my story you know what i mean and then uh so we moved back down here uh graffiti was something i was into for a long time like that's kind of how i got connected with everybody in the city in through graffiti yeah yeah and then there was a period of um what year was that you think around graffiti about graffiti was probably let's see uh 98 to 2000 Five maybe. Oh, so that you were you were the guys terrorizing. Oh the city. man, we were killing it. Yeah, if you look up, <laughs> one crew I was running with back then was AM Seven, and they're a huge crew out of uh, Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And uh, another one that's still relevant in Nashville is IA, which uh, my homie Zoo is kind of like the the leader of that now. You know what I mean? Yeah, shit's everywhere. And uh, yeah, man. That was crazy times. So this was, there was you guys were terrorizing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had a couple, uh, couple homies that ran uh, with the USC. Oh yeah. Yeah, a guy named Click, and then a guy. I named knew Click. Alien, yeah. I knew Click. I didn't know, know Alien. I knew Click well though. Click, well, I say well, I knew him like we knew each other and we were cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's a uh, he's a tattoo artist too, right? That's right. <laughs> no, Click was a man. He yeah, was, Click. I, I think he did characters or some shit, right? Rudy Sanchez. Hey, he was a beast, man. Click. If you see him, tell him I said, what's up? He'll know me as Ounce. Ounce, really? Yeah. That's weird, because uh, we worked at the movie theater in in, uh, in my hometown. In, For real? Yeah. In Columbia. I'm from Spring Hill, but, you know. I remember the, him being from Columbia. Yeah, okay. yeah. And he was from he came from California, South Cal. Mm-hmm. And uh, he brought the USC with him. Nah, he was a beast, man. I definitely remember him. Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, my homie Alien, he had right over the Hickory, old Hickory ramp. Mm-hmm. He hit that whole brick wall right on that off yeah. ramp. Yeah, huge. That's but they they got everything. There's nothing that he did not touch. Damn. Yeah. Me and Zoo went to uh, New York one year. I can't even remember what year. We ended up like on the cover of the New York Daily News and doing some big production with Poem and these fucking legends, and then did the two biggest illegal pieces in Queens. Like when the train rolled by, you could see the pieces over the train. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty sick. What was that like? It was, somewhere. it was crazy. The people who lived there who went with us, mm-hmm. one of them didn't do it at all. And the other one said we were crazy. He did half of his. He was like, y'all are crazy. You're definitely going to get arrested. <laughs> we were like, man, fuck it. We jacked a ladder on the way down, like off some, I don't even know where the hell it was, but we jacked a ladder so we could get up high enough and painted this shit with rollers and, you know, bucket paint. Right. It was a good time. So you were that guy. 
Well, yeah. it's a dying art. Nobody really knows about it. Yeah, man. Much nowadays. There's still some guys out there really killing it, like Revoke. Revoke is a, I don't know if you heard of him or not. I've He's seen huge. it. Yeah, I, I only know like a few of the guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brian, Brian Deese. Brian's a beast. Yeah, yeah. He's a Rex too. Yeah, yeah. I know as Rex. I know yeah, Rex way back. <laughs> I know Rex. I forgot about that. Yeah, he had it, Southern Fried Funk. We used to break dance in the back. Oh, you did? Yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. I was a little kid, man. They uh, they used to have this thing. I want to say like maybe like Friday, Saturday nights or something. Mm-hmm. Like Brian, this dude, massive. Tax, all these different guys would get together and break dance. Audi, you know who Audi, Audi is? Yeah, I know Audi. I met all the Audi them was a beast. Yeah, he, they would all break dance in the back. For real. And I'd go down there and try to try to get my windmill on and all that type of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I ever got real good at it, but it was cool. Wow. Yeah. So you've been in the scene for a while. Yeah, man. Wow. So how did you. <laughs> so just graffiti, meeting people? Yeah. And then I went through a period. I can openly talk about it now because it's it's on you know people are aware and and I don't I don't fuck with it anymore. But I used to grow a lot of weed. Grow. Grow a lot of weed okay. back in the day. So that was a way that I was able to before doing photography and and having some legitimate reason to be in the room. Mm-hmm. The weed was my reason to be in the room. You know what I mean? You were the weed guy. You yeah, were... but but not just the weed guy. Like the best weed the city's ever seen guy. You know what I mean? You like, brought good. It wasn't that. It wasn't that no brick, that, all right, fuck no, no, Because no, no, back in shit. like nineties, two thousands, all's all we had. Well, all, I don't know about Nashville, but all we had was like that brick. I remember what you're talking about, them VCR tapes. Yeah, yeah, that Mexican brick. We yep. no, 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 no. This was like I don't even know what year. I can't even quote the years, but this was like that shit in a jar. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? The, but I'm I'm talking about the best of the best of the best. But yeah, that allowed me to get into the room with a lot of people. How did you get into that? Oh man, I had a, a friend of damn. That's an interesting question. You're pretty good at this interview shit. Am I? Yeah, cause I I don't know what the hell to say, cause I'm always <laughs> behind the scenes. So I'm I'm like relying on you to say, hey, so what about this? Oh man? okay. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, no, you're good at it, man. I can tell you've been doing this. Uh, so that's an interesting point. Is I had a friend of mine. I won't say his name, cause you know he's not sitting here to give me permission to do so. But uh, he invited me to go with him to Seattle. Where at the time, I don't believe it was legal yet. I'm 90% sure it was not legal I'm yet. sure, yeah, I'm sure it wasn't. Yeah, but uh, there was a dude up there, and this was his alias, so it's okay to say. His okay. name was Charles Diamond, mm-hmm. right? It was his alias. And uh, this dude had, you know, he grew grew this shit all over the city, man. And, I mean, he was a monster. He, like, raised his own cattle and ate his own beef. And he was, a, he was just a beast. And, like... <laughs> I aspired to be like this guy for some fucked up reason. You know what I mean? He wasn't the type of dude you want to aspire to be like. But anyway, took a page out of his book and you know, kind of moved on from there. Wow. Yeah. This is like, it's starting to sound like the coolest movie <laughs> ever about oh, to man. be made. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you learned from him? Everything? Yeah, it was crazy because I drove like, I drove like, I don't know, two days and ended up in oklahoma and the guy who i was with told me at the time i didn't have much money the guy who i was with was like oh man i'll cover all gas i'll do this do that you know fix the brakes on the way there all this shit yeah so we get out to oklahoma and every time i wake him up for gas he get mad at me right <laughs> like get real mad like throwing fits and banging the window and shit and i was like so after all and he couldn't drive for shit he drove like you know like he he was retarded or something but <laughs> so anyway we get to the gas station in oklahoma and he was uh 
I looked over at him. He was asleep in the car. The fucking tank was on E. I was like, man, fuck this motherfucker, man. I got out the car, pumped the gas. You know what I'm saying? Filled the tank up, went in, bought a postcard to send to my mom. And I swear to God, it was an Indian on the back of a uh, on the back of a horse. And it said, end of the road. Right? Right. That was on the postcard. So then I stole the gas, drove off. I remember I had on a neon green outcast shirt. You know, big, giant, like, uh, <laughs> like bubble-down camouflage jacket or some right. shit. Man, about 15 minutes down the road, two cops come up, whatever, pull us over. I ended up going to jail for, like, a week in Oklahoma where there was, like, one Nazi watching over the jail. And, like, people had been in there for, like, a year with no idea what the fuck's going on. And it was insane, man. And uh, when I got out, they just changed some rule. Like, I'm talking about we walked to the jail with like striped black and white fucking uh, jail suits on. Like the oversized Shackled to people who were doing 20 years. And I'm like, man, I just stole gas. You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck they got me in here doing this for? So anyway, we got out. I got out. Met back up with my boy. Got to uh, Seattle. Met with Charles Diamond. And yeah, it was it was something else. What kind of car was it? It was, a, uh, it was an older Cadillac. Cadillac <laughs> Seville. All black with the black leather. and uh, Yeah. Really? So that's what you drove? Yeah, and then I got up there, and I remember pulling up to the house the first time I'd ever met this dude, Diamond. And uh, there was a state trooper just looking at me. He probably wasn't looking at me that crazy. I just hadn't slept in days. He was just looking at me. I was like, fuck. I go in, and, and the door opens, and I meet this big, giant, black dude with sunglasses on in a grow room, trimming plants, looking at me like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, yeah. I'm like, hey, man, what's up? And I'm, he's like, is this a motherfucker that got locked up? You know what I mean, dude? It was like, that. it was crazy. This is literally the opening scene to the movie. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. I can see yeah, it. Yeah. I can completely see it. Yeah. Stealing gas. Yeah, man, it was crazy. So what did you, you just, they gave you equipment, they sent you back? Oh, they didn't give me nothing. I just kind of like... Just learning? Stayed up there for for a couple weeks, and I'd had, back in, in that period of time, I was actually trying to make beats, and I had a Korg Triton with the floppy disk. You remember those? The silver one? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Those are some dope keyboards. Yeah, so I had that and was like making beats in the hotel between going and learning how this dude did what he did, and... Yeah, he was kind of like a mix of like a mob dude and a hippie, you know what I mean? Like one type of dude you want to play with. Yeah. So anyway, I got I got I was like, all right, man, I don't want nothing to do with this because this dude's obviously going to end up in prison before too long. So let me get out of here. He's too loose cannon. So I ended up coming back to Nashville and just did my own thing. You just kind of you know? pieced together your own stuff? Because there's mm-hmm. only maybe one place in Nashville that sold gross stuff. All seasons, baby. That it? <laughs> okay. Cause it, but it, they... they, they Put it off as hydroponic. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. You can grow anything. You know, you can grow fucking uh, green peppers if you want to. You right. Know what I'm saying? Well, that's like walking into a smoke shop and they're like, oh, these pipes, glass, mm-hmm. they're for tobacco. Mm-hmm. And nobody, no one's using them for tobacco. Right. Like, that's why they saw the little scales that, right, at right, New right. Life. Or the fucking uh, brass knuckle paperweights. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's or the, what's the belt buckle? Do you yeah, see the belt buckle go. one? There you go, yeah. the belt buckle. Anything yeah. disguised is what it's possibly used for. Right. Probably, yeah. Like exactly. the cane swords. Do you remember those? Yeah, I do. I remember cool. when I was like eight, nine, uh, my mom got me a cane sword. <laughs> right? Yeah, I remember Eight or that. nine, or a pen with a knife in it. Mm-hmm. They were my parents, I don't know. They were just, I guess they trusted me, but I had all types of weapons. Probably switch blades and Chinese switch, stars yep. and shit. The real ones, the real metal ones. Yeah. I had the Indiana Jones whip. 
Oh, shit. Yeah, so I was out just, like, whipping stuff, trying to swing across. Remember those big uh, slingshots you could get at, like, Kmart? Yeah, is it the one with the brace? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You could really fuck some shit up with that. <laughs> those things are powerful. Yeah, man. That was good shit. Yeah, we had dangerous life as kids. <laughs> Funner times, man. No social media. I'm glad I didn't have social media. I would have done something stupid. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. I did all this. I did a bunch of stupid stuff. Yeah, right, but right? you didn't put it on social media though. No, but I, if I could have, I would. You would have. Yeah, yeah. but I've, I've been it. recording videos since '95. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah so '90, '95, '96. Uh, I made my own high school yearbook. Oh yeah. Yeah, because the school that I went to, uh, I went to Spring Hill High School, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I, I just, I just never did homework. Mm-hmm. Just, school wasn't for me. I'm shit. I'm right there with you. Right? Like I don't know. if I, I guess I want to say like I was above it, mm-hmm. too intelligent. But I was just, you know, public school just is public school. Right. They, they teach you to socialize, and that's it. Right. Or how to get away, not to, you know. So uh, I was like bored. I always like doing photos. I took pictures. So I bought me a camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like two thousand dollar camera back in '95 mm-hmm. with the flip out screen. That was unheard of. Shit, two thousand dollar camera in '95 is a hell of a camera. Yeah. What was it? Mm. Sony Handycam. Damn. Yeah, had the eyepiece flipped grand? up. It was like two grand. I bought it at So it was for video? Yeah, for video only. High eight. Wow. Yeah, with the flip screen. The screen, nobody had that screen then. So that's what I took to school with me every day. Yeah. Every day, all day. And uh, I was like, man, I, you know, I like it. No one ever taught me about that video. So I'm teaching myself. So I went to the to the video team and the teacher, and I was like, yo, um, I want to join the video club. Mm-hmm. The video club, right? Because the sat, you ever heard of, you know, Saturn, right? The plant? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They had donated a bunch of editing equipment to the school. And uh, it was like a big board and the, the little handle. And you cut, I don't know any of this shit, though. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to be a part of it. So I was like, yo, I want to join the video club. And they were like, nope. And I was they like, wouldn't let you join? Nope. I was like, well, why not? And they're like, yeah, we don't need, we don't need that. Need what? Like, you don't, you know, you don't want to be on here. And I was like, no, I, I really want to learn this. I want to, nope. What so, the fuck? That's right. Crazy. Yeah. So what I school got my was that? Spring Hill. That's crazy. Yeah. So got my own camera, started doing my own thing, filming. I didn't bring books. I brought a camera. That's all I brought. Hell yeah. Yep. And then I put up my own <laughs> video yearbook with all the fights. It looked like a early jackass. So you had the okay. You had the fight. You had like the bad version of the yearbook. Yeah, I had the, yeah because they did the the regular the regular version, yearbook. All yeah. the nerdy stuff. Yeah, all the fights and, and shit. Yeah, like the cruise yeah the class cruise which they didn't i wasn't allowed to go on either you know they had like pictures of drama which i tried to join the drama club and the teacher wouldn't let me the and, fuck? Why yeah they hard on you like that that's just how they treat me that's crazy yeah crazy so i tried to do it, but you know so i did that so mine had all the fights and all the parties and mm-hmm. making fun of the teachers the teachers acting you know goofy and us going to the grade books it's hilarious i still got it that's good shit, man. Yeah, so I, I got those and I sold them fifteen dollars a piece, and I made four or five hundred dollars. So people were buying, uh, buying them. Oh yeah, everybody wanted my copy. Nobody wanted the other copy. <laughs> That's what's up, man. I had an interesting story about uh, how I got my first camera. I mean, you know, obviously having camera as a kid or whatever, different ones. Yeah. Obviously, like doing graffiti, always had something like you know a little handy cam or something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, when I got into photography. I had a Cadillac Sedan DeVille, 72 gold Cadillac Sedan DeVille. And uh, I was managing a photographer at the time, right? 
and I didn't know how to fucking. I'd sit there with him playing with Lightroom for hours and never paid attention. Didn't know how to work none of that. And then uh, he ended up moving on, going on tour with some big artists and doing really well. But we lost contact. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I managed Phoenix Room Days. I managed like two or three other artists. And uh, I needed someone. He would always like, in exchange for what I would do for him, because he wasn't making a killing right then. Right. He would photograph all my artists, help me put together all the packet. You know, he was that guy. And uh, when I lost him, when he went on tour and, you know, was killing it, it was it was like a good loss, you know, successful celebration loss. But he, uh, I ended up trading a Cadillac for a Canon 7D. <laughs> yeah. and just The 72 Cadillac. 72 Cadillac. Yeah, I mean, it was only worth, like, you know, a couple grand or something. Right. But, yeah, man, bought that just to, and then actually, st I bought it just, like, out of necessity. And then started loving doing it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And then Wolf gave me some cool opportunities, like coming on tour and doing that. And I was like, all right. I mean, I slept with the camera on tour. Like I'm talking about when they come into the bus, you know, I'm creeping out the thing like this, you know, taking pictures of it. Because I had more access than anybody else who was a photographer at the time. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah, I kept it on me. but And then started to love it, you know? And you just kind of grew on you? Yeah, man. Now, shit, that's all I want to do is shoot shit. That's it. Yeah, back when we first met, I man, I wouldn't know how to turn the camera on. Yeah, you were just running a big yeah facility, just running a studio and managing a couple of artists and shit, trying to get in. You know. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So, uh, I, I take it back. My fault. We jumped off there. Uh, so you're the the weed grower. Yeah. Right. You start growing the best weed in Nashville. Yeah. We'll call it that. Yeah, you could ask around too. That's really? Not, yeah, I'm not even just. I don't know if Brian would know because I don't know if I messed with him right then I'm, when we were younger. But, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of people are aware of that, for sure. So what What after that? What do you do after you grow the best weed and you're doing graffiti? <laughs> and I stopped doing graffiti by that point because you could only break, break so many laws before. You know what I mean? I was like. Yeah. And Nashville's not that big a place to where it's constant, constant. Like yeah, in exactly. L.A. or New York. It's exactly. like you only have certain spots. Right. So after that, that was kind of. The, the graffiti was when they called me ounce. The hustling stuff was when they called me Zilla. You know right. what I mean? So that's how I always know if I meet somebody by, or if I see somebody by what they call me. If I don't remember their face, I'll know where they know me from. Ounce or Zilla. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then, uh, man, after that, at that time, I was making like a transition, trying to run a studio and trying to hustle and play that whole game. You know what I mean? And then. Uh, How'd you get into the studio? Uh, music stuff was man, all I that to, was all that growing from growing who knows man maybe <laughs> i don't know i don't know about that without part. incriminating uh, you i know i had a couple friends involved and you know people were paying rent and i was you know i had artists living in the studio and yeah. shit, charging them rent so i had it where it was pretty much self-sufficient you know it definitely wasn't making a killing but it was self-sufficient right but uh so you, you wanted to open a studio for that yeah, fact, yeah. you were always into music, or you just knew people who needed it? At one point, I thought I was an artist. Oh, you did you rap? Yeah. You did? <laughs> you used to rap? <laughs> way back, man. Uh, way is there Auntzilla CDs or man, cassette tapes somewhere? Somewhere, yeah, somewhere. Who did you rap with? Man, I mean, shit, all the, the artists I manage, and then shit, me, Wolf, and them did some shit, uh, struggle, you know? There really? was just a period of time when, when I fucked with it, and, and then... Once I linked up with Wolf, and that's an interesting story how that happened. But um, once I linked up with him, 
I realized he was cold-blooded, you know what I'm saying? And I just figured out my own strengths, you right. know what I'm saying? And figured out I would never be the best in the world at that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I knew I was good with the business. I knew I was good with people. You know, I knew I was, that was a strength of mine, was business. So I decided to completely, not not do it here and there, not do it as a hobby, completely leave it alone. You know what I mean? Because I can't have dinner with someone like Paul Rosenberg. You know what I mean? And and be like, yeah, yeah, you know, all this business and him take me serious. And be like, uh, you know, then you got a mixtape too. Oh, yeah. Oh, and also, I rap. Yeah, so if there's no, any no, no, extra room, was, you didn't want to be that dude. Fuck no. No, no, no. Because right. I can't take nobody like that serious. You know what I mean? Like, it's one or the other. Like, what are you doing managing an artist? If you're trying to rap too, obviously you're not very successful. Right. You know, so I figured out my strengths and realized I was surrounded by people who were killing it in that lane. Mm-hmm. You know, just I started doing more business than anything. So Phoenix Room, so you started just booking it out? I started, like I said, we were, I was... I was doing the artist thing for a while, making beats, doing the whole thing, you know, trying to find my place. Right. And then got to the studio. That's just the nature of what Nashville went through. Exactly. They went through, it, it was a slow process, like, for, right. you know what I mean? Like, we were kind of behind the times, right. but it still happened at the time. Right. So, like, just like everyone else, because I used to produce. Right. Back in the I, day. I imagine you right. did. DJ. Yeah. I used to DJ. I do all the house parties. Spring Hill. Like I'm Spring Hill legend, you already know that. That's dope. That's dope. <laughs> and then yeah, beats. Yeah. So yeah, just like everyone else in this in this little middle Tennessee. Yeah, thing. just get involved in the music somehow, and then open the studio. And it took me a while before I realized that that wasn't what I wanted. I mean, I wanted I would still have the studio. Right. It wasn't that I didn't want the studio because that made sense. It was a cool spot to to meet at, and you know, had little meeting rooms and shit. But uh, the way that I got into business was I had an artist from Atlanta who was, at, at one point, he was doing something big with Brian Barber and all these other people. And and uh, I think he was more or less trying to get free studio time and kind of, you know, flatter me in the sense of, hey, man, would you manage me? You know, and yeah. kind of on some slick shit. You know, and I was like, hell yeah, I'll manage you. I never really thought about that, but I'll manage you. Yeah. And then I went to my partner who worked at Universal Records, and he didn't know I was going to go this route. And had some contracts drawn up, like not nothing off the internet or nothing. You know, paid the attorney to make some contracts and went back at him and gave him the contract, did it the proper way, and started managing them. And that really came, that really didn't provide any fruit. You know what I mean? Nothing came out of that. Sure. But it made me realize that that was the lane I wanted to move forward in. So I'm thankful. Yeah. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, man, I did that. And in, in the whole meantime, I was trying to hustle and trying to have the studio and trying to figure out what I wanted to do in the business and what made sense and what actually could make money so you could leave the other shit alone. Right. Yeah. And that's what all the smart people do. <laughs> yeah, man. Sometimes the... it just takes more time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So how did you meet Struggle? Being Struggle's manager. Only reason I asked Struggle, and I don't know any of that artists, but this is like all the path that I've seen. Right. Been on, so. Struggle. Uh, man, where the hell? Did... We, met... we met in the green room at that show that I linked back up with Wolf at. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this is Atlanta? No, this is Nashville. Oh, the cannery. Yeah, I was I was managing a photographer at the time, and he had got passes to uh, to go photograph an artist named Yellow Wolf. And at the time, I knew Wolf as Coma. That was his name. Coma? Coma, yeah. I've never heard Coma. Was well, that his Coma tag was name? His or graffiti his name. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know all that, street name. I mean, he was Coma. 
That's what I called him. He called me out. I was like, called him coma. I've never heard that. Yeah. Never uh, heard that. So when the guy I was managing said, I'm going to shoot this artist named Yellow Wolf, I didn't know who it was at the time. But uh, I was like, okay, cool. Shit, I'm not doing nothing tonight. I'll roll with you. Sure. And uh, he had legitimate passes from the Tennessee and was supposed to be there. We get to whatever it is, the Cannery or the Mercury Ball or whatever, somewhere in that building. And they were going hard on us, man, kind of like you were talking about. They were like, no, can't do it. You can't come back here. I don't care about your past, all this shit. And I was like, look, I know this dude. I I just found out. I looked at him on uh, the cover. I, I was doing my research once uh, <laughs> Dustin had told me who he was shooting. I was like, Yellow Wolf looked him up. I was like, man, it looks just like my homeboy. Like, I mean, a whole lot like him. Like, if it ain't him, it's some crazy shit. And right. I ain't seen him in some years because he moved to Alabama. He was living here for a little while. And uh, so I looked him up, Wikipedia or whatever, realized it was my friend. And I mean, we were really, really, really good friends. You know what I mean? Like, right. I knew if he saw me, he'd know me. And I told them, I was like, look, if he tells me fuck off, I'm out of here. <laughs> but I'm not leaving till I at least see my boy. You know what I mean? Right. So we go back there and man, he it was nothing but love, man. I mean, he was like, oh, shit, Ounce, what the fuck? Ounce, he called you Ounce. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, what the fuck, where you been at this and that? And I was like, man, dude, you're, you know, you're killing it right now. And we chilled or whatever, and uh, he introduced me to Struggle there, and I had definitely heard of Struggle, knew, you know, through Nashville's small city. So right, right. I would heard of him. I never really met him, I don't think. Then a couple more times, and me and Struggle chilled a little bit, and ended up hitting him up, man, and started managing him. Right. And, I mean, Struggle's been 1,000 since the day I met him. I mean, uh, kept in contact with him the whole time. He was locked up. Yeah, you guys did some uh, some some good shit while he was... Yeah, man. I not got saying, to... like, good that he was locked up and you did it, but... No, no, no. Y'all no, pulled no. some slick it. shit. I got to... Uh, everyone knows about it. <laughs> yeah, the Tennessean took them in uh, to interview him in right. the jail one time and then worked out through a contact my mom had from the Tennessee Sheriff's Association where she used to be the executive director. Mm -hmm. This lady who was like the PR for the jail or something. And uh, I can't remember her name, but she was on the news. But she linked me with her. I talked to her, man, for like two weeks. It was like, I need to get in there, shoot a documentary footage. We ended up lining it up, <laughs> me and a couple other guys. And, man, got in there with three cameras and filmed that Black Curtains. We filmed the... Uh, the struggle scenes in jail. Right. In the last couple minutes of the documentary footage. You know what I mean? It was like, you mind if we get on to recite this couple of verses real quick? Maybe be cool in the beginning. Like, no, no, it's the coolest thing we've ever had at this jail. They were cool with it? Right at that moment. Yeah, cool I mean, at it. the moment, they're cool with it. She was super cool with in it. In hindsight, like, they're like, yeah, we didn't approve that. Did you see the news story? I did. Man, this shit made it to, for like a seven-minute news clip. Yeah, I know. I talk, I I think I was talking to you at that time. Yeah. We were talking about doing like an interview or getting some artists or something. Yeah. Yeah, this shit was man, it was dope. I mean, Double XL reached out and did a piece on him after that. It was really good for him, man. So you managed him, you got him to where? You got him to where he is? No, I wouldn't. I mean, we were just this is before he went to jail. Okay, right before. So I mean, I was just doing, you know, I mean, struggles taking off since he got home, man. He's I mean, super killing it right yeah now. he found his new little uh niche yeah no nah, he's killing and it, uh you know he's taking off with whatever he's doing yeah and i mean it just you know when he came home he didn't really need it right then and i was tied up and but i mean that's that's like my brother man struggles 
I'm super close to struggle, but yeah, he's always been a nice guy to me. Yeah. Always super nice. He always, uh, I remember the first time I met him, he said something about Waylon Jennings' grandson. I was like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, why would you believe that? Why right. would, it, you know, because I didn't know him. Right. I didn't know him from anything. Right. I'm not from Nashville. Right. You know what I mean? I'm uh, I'm just a country Spring Hill boy. Right. And uh, so, you know, just like, whatever, you know. He's like, yeah, we can get the clearance for a good old boy. <laughs> and we could do a rap song and i was like i'll make the beat you know i did some beats for him when we recorded them out there mm-hmm. and stuff like that but yeah it was like wayne i was like ah, that's cool whatever that's what that's up, back yeah. when he was doing like just that rap that trap stuff that yeah which yeah. that that white boy that national white boy mm-hmm. is a different breed ain't different nothing, breed. ain't nothing like it man no it's really weird i don't think it you know i think wolf even mentioned it. he was like yeah um the national white boy is, is something that you know needs to be documented and, and it shows it, it yeah. literally shows yeah. natural white boys are a different breed different breed for real for real why does no one care <laughs> <laughs> right, why does nobody care right. i mean come on you got jelly roll you got struggle yellow wolf mm-hmm. you got That's zilla more tucked off nah you got zilla <laughs> zilla the old zilla yeah yeah the do uh yeah worm yeah, man. There's so many white boys that rap and on a different, different level, mm-hmm. and it's just like overlooked, just right. like the whole scene was overlooked. Nobody gave For a shit about. For a long about. time, but shit, Nashville's getting some, uh, getting some attention these days. Now, who do you think gave that attention to Nashville? Not, not don't favoritism like, right, like right, Wolf, right. but who gave that attention to Nashville? Was man, it it's... was it Stack? Was it Pistol? Was it fresh? I would say it definitely wasn't Stack. I mean, he had his little... <laughs> I hate to right? say that. Oh, no, but, no, no. no. Uh, I mean, shit, probably a mix of Jelly and Yellow Wolf, really. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, I know, you know, people feel how they feel about Buck, but, I mean, he definitely gave Nashville some attention for a attention. period of time. Attention. Right, but yeah. he didn't really open any doors for anybody or nothing right. like that. Which, I mean, obviously he couldn't. Right, you know, because he just wasn't allowed to. Like right. he just, he just never. I don't think he just ever said, "I can't do that." He right. would just kind of, you know, bullshit everybody around. I'm not saying he's bullshit, but I'm just saying, like, he'd be like, "Yeah, we're gonna do Cashflow Records, right. Unit South," and you know, obviously the powers above are just like, "Nah, right. nah, all the way." Yeah, and he wasn't, you know, whatever. He didn't have it figured out. But I would say on that side, man, uh, definitely Jelly Roll, Yellow Wolf, and Struggle. Yep. You know, especially more more lately, you know what I mean? Yeah, real lately. And yeah. it's it's weird because they're doing like it's it looked it looked like it was becoming country rap. Right. But they kind of made it into something else. Right. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when Wolf did it. When Wolf made that transition, not really a transition, but you know, from people looking outside. When he a, dipped in and, you know, tipped his hat to that that style. Yeah. It he turned into it. something else. I don't even know what it was. And right. I think they tried to call it uh country rap or Hip hop, mm-hmm. and he was just like, you know, don't say that shit. Nah, that hip hop shit is like, I don't know. That's, I think it's like a derogatory term. Yeah, that's the shit. Like some people embrace it. Smo, like Smo did it, and he was like, yeah, this is hip hop. You yeah. know what I mean? And yeah. but that's that's Smo. Right. That's his thing. It's nothing close to. I don't even know what yellow. I don't know what you call what yellow for doing. It's just music, good fucking music. Outlaw hip hop, rock and roll. There you go. Yeah. Uh, a mixture. Can you even put it in a one word? Yep, that's it. Outlaw hip hop, <laughs> rock and roll. But, uh, yeah, man. So he did struggle. Struggle went went away. He got locked up. How long did he go away for? I think he ended up, I mean, he was facing like, at one point he was facing like 40 years. I remember a bunch of us went down to court, I believe in Memphis. I could be wrong, but 
man, he was facing like 40 years mm -hmm. at one point. But he ended up he ended up doing four, and he might still be on parole. I don't know. But uh, as a matter of fact, the last time, one of the last times I seen him, we were shooting uh, the video for mm -hmm. Jelly Roll. It was me, Alexander King, Emac, uh, Jelly Roll Struggle, the mm -hmm. Seven Days. Do you remember that? I don't know if you remember that one. Seven Days. I do remember that. Seven uh, Days. Um, and he came through. And was like, hey, struggled you. in? Yeah. yeah. And he just got the 40, Interstate 40 tattoo on his chest. Oh, that's way back. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we were at the barbershop, and we had a couple minutes talking. Hey, I remember that. Did I come with him? Yeah, I think you did come with him. Right off Bell Road. Right off Bell Road. At yeah, the barbershop. Okay, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. I remember that. And I was like, you good? And he was like, yeah, I'm good, man. He said, I think I'm facing some you know, trouble or whatever. So right. I hope I can get to go away. And that's the last time I saw him. Damn. So you haven't seen him since then? No, I've seen him since then. Now, since yeah, he got out. Yeah, Slumfest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, last time I seen him was Slumfest. He had just got out, and y'all did Slumfest right. at the Harley place. Uh, second year? Mm -hmm. Was it second, second annual second? Probably so. Yeah, I think that was First the one was... Year. We're on like year six now. Right. Yeah. I've been to almost every one of them. Yeah, yeah. Almost. But yeah, that's when I see him, and I was like, you good? And he was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Struggle's one of the most uh, motivated, strongest motherfuckers I know, man. Like, even through all that shit that he was facing, and, you know, you'd be at home with some regular shit to worry about. And then I'd talk to Struggle on the phone, and, and he'd bring your own spirits up. You know what I mean? Yeah. He uh, just had was, that spirit. He was never, like, concerned, worried. I mean, I mean he had all the kids. and Yeah, man. He came home <clears throat> and hit the ground running. Like, proud of him, man. I mean, he's, uh, He's doing really big shit, especially to come from, you know, just for someone who wasn't in prison all that time. Right. Let alone that. But to add that to the equation, yeah, he's killing it, man. And to come from where he came from, the mm -hmm. West Side Nations, was exactly. it? Nation? Yeah. Yep. And, like, he was just coming off as that average, you know, rap white boy. Right. But he found his lane, you know, evolved. How did he find that? Fuck, I don't was know, it man. You? Probably no, hell no. no, no <laughs> you were no, a part no. of it, regardless. Well, no, I mean, I was, I was involved at a certain point, and like I said, we're still family, man. That's my brother, but I mean, he found his own lane, and I believe he had plenty of time to figure that out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm glad he yeah. did. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. working for him. Yeah, you know, definitely working. I'm not He's the killing. I'm not the biggest fan of it, right? But you know, as his, I, I respect. I respect that. Right. Do that. Do your thing. Hell yeah. But uh, so, okay, so you did. Uh, so he's locked up. Uh, what other artists did you have? I remember you had. Man, I ran through a roster. Man, a bunch of people who you've never heard of and never will hear of. You know what I mean? It, In Nashville, don't or, take or, direction or everywhere and, and serve cheeseburgers now. But uh, yeah, here <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's cool. Yeah, that's what you're into. Yeah, but uh, let me think. Um. I managed Cub Cook Up for a while. Um, artist named Pretty Shy. Mm -hmm. I mean, a bunch of other people that there's no reason to even mention. But uh, I've worked with a lot of different artists, man, and it's all part of everybody's growing process. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it helped me grow, helped them grow. So all rap, some rock. Yeah, man, all rap, really, all rap. Yeah. I've done, I've done like, uh, I've worked with country artists and rock and roll artists on music videos. Mm-hmm. But never manage them. I was uh, I come from a hip hop background, so that was kind of my thing. Okay, you know what I mean. I don't know. If That's I what you liked. So I like. I don't think there's a. Doesn't really make sense to get behind something that you don't 
actually enjoy it in some sense mm-hmm. or respect. Like, you know, some artists might not like the music as much, but you recognize the talent and are impressed by the motivation. You know what I mean? There's, but you got to have something that that helps fuel your own ambition to work with someone. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, I couldn't just work with someone who just cause, you know what just I'm saying? Just did opera. Exactly. Yeah, it's like if there's nothing that I can relate to. There, there's only so much you could do for someone who sings opera. Before <laughs> right, you exactly. don't understand, you're like, I don't. I really don't have a passion. I don't for know this. what the fuck to do with. Yeah, it. like, yeah. but if you rap, if you put a rap in this after that first part, like, that would be dope. And they're just like, you know what, get this guy out of here. Yeah, get him out of here. <laughs> crazy. So how'd you get around to the wolf? To managing well, we were, and and doing all the cool things you do for your wolf. Um, we were. Back to the photographer I was managing in that shoot at the, would you say it was a canner, cannery? Cannery or Mercy. I think it's one the same the building. I think it's, it's on the same eight. Yeah. On eight. It was that middle one that, I know there was a huge room up top, but it was the middle room. So anyway, we went back there and, uh, man, over a period of time, I kept in touch with Wolf and uh, we talk every couple months or something, you know what I mean? And I was still doing my studio thing and, uh, a time came, he moved here. He ended up moving here, and we'd just hang out like we used to. You know what I mean? We were just friends. We weren't working together in any capacity. And uh, Minus one, the graffiti? Minus the graffiti. Well, back still, in the day. Were you guys still going out doing graffiti? <laughs> no, we stopped that. No time for it. But And we were at the car wash one day, and I told him, I was like, man, I mean, he knew I had the studio. He knew I was, I was trying to work in that lane. You know what I mean? Sure. And, uh, that was the extent of that, but we were at the car wash one day, and I said, hey, man, I want to work with you. I always believed in the saying, sweep the parking lot to you on the building. You know what I mean? So it's like I told him I want to work with you. I know you're not hiring. I know you don't plan on paying nobody nothing. I'm down to start for free. Mm-hmm. Just give me anything to do. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't care what it is. If it's rearranging a storage unit, give me any job. Call me every day. If you need me to come take the trash out, help move, I don't give a fuck what it is. I'm down to work. You know what I mean? You don't have to pay me nothing until you see fit. Right. And uh, it's like, all right, cool. So started just, you know, having me do random shit, filming shit, whatever. Just, I mean, literally random shit. You know what I'm saying? And uh, But that kept me around them and working with them every day. Mm-hmm. And then uh, at the same time, I was I was trying to leave alone the street shit because I got arrested and, you know, became a felon at that point. And um, so I started painting houses and painting, you know, industrial commercial stuff. That was like my little business at the time to try to make the transition out of the bullshit. And uh, so sometimes I couldn't go wherever he was going or whatever because I'd be busy on a job. And I remember very clearly one job I was on, I was painting like a karate dojo or some shit. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And he called me and was like, yo, we got to go to Detroit. And I was like, man, when? And he told me, and I was like, I can't go. I got this job. I'm not going to be done for such and such. And Wolf told me that day, he said, uh, man, get rid of this shit. Leave the job. You don't got to paint no more. I was like, huh? Wow. He was like, just just quit that shit. Come, come with me. I got you. And shit, from that day forward, man, we figured out, you know, negotiated some pay. And it made sense for everybody. And, uh 
shit, from that day forward, I've been working with them ever since. Wow, that's crazy. So, I, yeah, I literally sold my paint van, sold all my ladders. I mean, I had the whole get up, you know what I'm saying, the sprayers. The yeah, whole. if you had to do industrial right. in houses, you had to have the real. Yeah, and he. Uh, what was the business called? Top coat painting. Top coat? Yeah. Does someone own Top Coat now? Hell no. Top coat's it died. Fucking, it died with it. Yeah, I still get calls from advertisers and shit. <laughs> Wanting me to fucking pay them. I'm like, I He's, tell them, uh, I'm in Australia. No, I tell them, I tell them, like, look, this is uh, Lieutenant Jackson with the fraud division of the Metro Police Unit. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I know what you're doing. Yeah, they don't call back. <laughs> Pretty funny. <laughs> That's messed up. Yeah. So, so paint, and then you did uh, yellow. So you guys are touring everywhere. You were back then. What was his? What, For a while, at I what wasn't. point was this in his like career? I'm trying to think. Um, Radioactive. Before Love Story, probably in between, like probably a little bit after Radioactive. Okay. But it was before Love Story. Um. Yeah, it was in that period, like in between those, and um. Yeah, man, we just started working, and like I said, I was. I was down for whatever, you know what I mean? I literally come mow the lawn if I needed to, you know what I'm saying? Like For sure. And work my way up to where I'm at now, tour managing. That's amazing. Yeah, man, it's pretty pretty insane. So his his team was pretty small, small enough that you didn't have to handle like 40 other people on the tour. Well, like, you mean now? Well, then. Then, well, then was just, I wasn't tour managing. Oh, then you were I was, just hanging out. I wasn't out. even touring. No, I mean I was just doing shit in nashville you okay. know what i mean or like driving the car when he'd go out of state i'd drive i'd be a driver you know mm-hmm. I, I mean literally like if something was broken i'd fix it you know what i'm saying or like straight up sweep the parking lot to you on the building like i was doing shit wow that was like in man i don't give a shit you know what i'm saying as long as it's not some degrading shit you know what i mean like i'm not gonna go beg for change on the corner or nothing but right. <laughs> other than that like anything <laughs> that needed to be done i was down to do it you right, I mean? and he trusted you. Hell yeah, Hell and that yeah. made him feel cool, which has got to be amazing, you know, for someone who, you know, like that. You know what I mean? Because yeah. there's not a lot of people around you. When you start making noise and money, mm-hmm. a lot of people around you start looking a little shady. Oh, you notice exactly. everyone's looking at it to the side of your eye, like, right? What is he getting, and how can I have some? Right, right. Exactly. But you weren't like that. You were like, let me do whatever I got to do, yeah. so that we can continue to work. Well, I wanted to leave the bullshit alone you know what i'm saying so you're looking for an outlet yeah i mean my outlet was the paint company but that wasn't what my heart wanted to do you know what i mean like it wasn't creative enough it wasn't it wasn't creative at all because you're a real creative dude like all you do is create appreciate that honestly like everything you do you're just doing something right and you're you're just your persona your soul is just a beautiful soul like i can tell that for some reason you're, you're shining even behind the glasses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean that was that was pretty much how that worked out, but it was uh I'll tell you one more thing. It was interesting at a certain point. The the straw that broke the camel's back with me is this is the point when I was doing that and I'm thinking, right? I remember I was with struggle tonight I found out, but I was trying to kinda get out of the the hustling shit and the mm-hmm. growing shit and this and that. And my family, I kind of had everybody fooled. Like, yeah, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. But I'm still doing it a little bit. Yeah. And then uh, what happened was uh, then I got arrested and was facing a little bit of time, like seven years or some shit. Ended up pretty much beating that, getting probation and a felony. 
And then meanwhile, I'm going to visit Struggle when he first got locked up. Like he hasn't yet been moved to the penitentiary. So it was this reality of going to court, facing this shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. While visiting my friend who's facing 40 years. And then right after all that, uh, there was a home invasion at my, my family's house and they shot my pops. And I mean, he ended up living through it, but they shot him in right. the chest. Opposite side of his heart. Went in, I mean, in the chest, out the back. And I remember uh, being in a hospital with him and holding his hand and he was unconscious. Uh-huh. And I remember him telling me, um, all he once he finally came to, because I was like, man, this dude, at one point, the police detectives or whatever were almost pointing the finger at me. You know what I mean? Like wondering if I had some crazy shit to do with it. Right. And uh, I remember when he finally came to, it was very obvious that I didn't have nothing to do with it. You know what I mean? But um, all he wanted me to do was leave the bullshit alone. That's all he asked me. He was like, look, man, I'm here. I'm, you know, I'm alive, but leave this shit alone for real. You know? Wow. And from, from that moment on, man, I went completely broke, like left it alone. Stone cold was like, all right. You know? Wow. And just left it alone. And uh, yeah, it was crazy. But that was, if that wouldn't have happened, not, I mean, a combination of all those things sure. were what made it a reality to me. Like, man, all right, this is a wake-up call. You know what I mean? And that's what did it. That's crazy. I left it alone completely. Won't fuck with it in any capacity. You know what I mean? Just because I've grown past that. Right. You know? So all the stuff you do now is just, it's your business. On top it's, of the table. It's your personal stuff. Yeah. It's just what, what you see right here is what I got. Yeah, exactly. It's no longer no more grow houses. Yeah, I can eat whatever I got. You know no more grow houses that smell like paint. <laughs> right, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird because a graffiti dude became a house painter. That's kind of yeah. funny. Well, that was because my <laughs> homie like, was painting houses at the time or some shit, and that's all we could think, man. It's like, let's buy this fucking roller in this thing and you know start painting. Yeah. That's so, so crazy. Yeah. So what uh <laughs> so what's what was the last one you uh last tour you did with Yellow Wolf? Shit, we just got back from Australia, uh man, like a week ago. Really? Oh you oh you know what I I wanted to ask you. Um when you went to Egypt uh-huh. just recently. Uh-huh. Tell me about that. Because I I seen your pictures on Instagram because that's right. how we stay in contact. Right, right, right. And I was like, yo, look at this shit. Because well, I, I, I know some there's something about you. I don't know. I don't know your spiritualness, mm-hmm. what you believe in, or whatever. But something always comes off you. To to me, this is what I can see. Right, I can see something from you. Appreciate that, man. You know, I, I guess maybe because of the the necklace you had on when I first met you in the Phoenix room. I That's put so all that crazy. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was my spiritual thing is like, uh, man, I'm, you know, I'm big into mushrooms. Like I told you. Yeah. Okay. You know what I'm saying and it's like. The, the whole Egypt thing, I always, I mean, I know a lot of people that, that they want to go to Egypt and, you know, but it was a dream of mine. It was a dream of my grandmother's. Mm-hmm. She always wanted to go. When I would walk around the house when I was a kid, she had these big busts of like Nefertiti and King Tut. And it's always been a part of my surroundings. And uh, eventually, man, one day I was like, man, I really want to go. I really want to go. Fuck it. I'm going and booked a flight. You know what I mean? And this was recently. This is recently. This is like. Shit, I don't know. It was December. Wait, it was September. Mm-hmm. It was in September. And uh, so part of the story that's pretty interesting is my dog had passed away, had him uh, cremated. 
And my grandmother, when she was alive, I bought her these earrings, took her to this museum, and the earrings were the unk, that symbol right there. Okay. And uh, it was these little unk earrings. We bought her whatever. And when she passed away, my aunt gave them back to me. I forgot about it. It's like 15 years ago. So when I was going to Egypt, she never got to go. She got sick when my grandfather was going to take her. So um, my mom reminded me. She was like, hey, you got those earrings. And I was like, damn, I'd put, I'm sorry, not earrings. I'd put one of the earrings in her hand in her casket when she passed. And then, you know, they closed her in the casket. So she's buried with one of the Ankh earrings. You know, Ankh is like stands for eternal life. Okay. And she's buried with one of those. The other one my mom had kept for me, otherwise I'd have lost it. Make a long story short, I took that with me to Egypt and put it in a crack in the wall at the Sphinx. And then the ashes from the dog I sprinkled inside the Great Pyramid. Like went into the Great Pyramid in the Grand Gallery and sprinkled that on my way back down. So yeah, Egypt was, that was one of the craziest things in the world was... First of all, trying to find a crack in the Great Pyramid. You know how they say the, that they built it so solid that you can't even really stick a piece of paper in between right. the blocks? Yeah, yeah, I've heard. I read They're that. not lying. I couldn't find somewhere to put this little tiny unk earring to just... <laughs> I wanted to put it somewhere where it would be lost forever. Right. You know, where it, where it couldn't fall out or get found or anything like that. So the only place I ended up finding was a wonderful place, but it was a crack in the wall at the Sphinx. And uh, shit, that was dope, man, but... When I was about to leave, we did the whole uh, riding camels around the pyramids. I've seen that. Did it for like three hours. It was amazing, man. And then uh, went inside the Great Pyramid. Like, I mean, that was, it was hard to breathe in there. One, it was hot. And two, it was unbelievable. You know what I mean? And then um, when I was about to leave, just looped around, went and looked at the Sphinx. And then uh, I met this old man named Nasir. And he took me. He was like, hey, man, you look like a... It's interesting what he said. He said, you've been here before. And I said, nah, man, it's my first time. I've never been here. And this old dude said, he said, no, 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 no. You've been here before. He said, in another lifetime. And I was like, all right, dude, whatever. And then <laughs> he was like, he was like, you seem like you're more interested than a tourist. And I said, well, I'm definitely more interested than a tourist. He said, come with me. Walked around, like, the Sphinx is here. Walked around the Sphinx, and there's like this... Not really a fence, but like a, almost like a cattle fence. Uh-huh. Crossed over that, and this dude starts taking me down in tombs. We went to where Akhenaten, who was King Tut's father, we went down into the temple where they meditate and worship Akhenaten. And he didn't notice, but I got Akhenaten tattooed on my arm. Oh, wow. And, there's, and I had a crystal with me, like a quartz crystal, and I was shining it in the sunlight. Charging it up. I mean, I don't really know enough about it, you know what I mean, to say I was charging up or not charging up, but I know that I find interest in it, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I enjoy fucking with it. So anyway, he took me to Akhenaten's temple. It wasn't his tomb, because I don't believe they ever found a body. And there was quartz crystal in the wall, and he was showing me that. Then he took me down into an, an actual tomb, and I can't remember who it was. It was a queen. It was some queen. I don't want to misquote it and say the wrong person, but... uh. He took me down there and he, he asked to see my crystal. And he put it in my hand. He closed my hand and he, he grabbed my hand with his hand. And he said some form of prayer in Arabic. Right. Right. And basically blessed it while standing in the tomb at the sarcophagus underground behind the Great Pyramid. 
in a place where you can't go. It's not a tourist spot. You can't buy a ticket to this place. That's weird. And, dude, it was unbelievable, man. There was one point when I was afraid if maybe I might get robbed because it's just me and this old man down in this tomb. And I'm talking about, you know, shitting away. It's not really safe to go down the thing. I was like, but my curiosity, I don't, shit, I'm going to have to fight my way out. He was getting I'm the best of you. He was getting the best of you. I'm not going to turn around from this. You <laughs> right. know what I mean? So. So who was he? Was he just a. Uh, they like a, said when I got outside, because I actually had to catch an Uber from the pyramid, right? They got Ubers in Egypt. but Like anyway. a camel Uber? <laughs> a Cooper? The police were on uh, camels, believe oh, okay. it or not. One really? of the camels farted and the police wasn't trying to laugh. I was laughing. Oh, that's so terrible. And then finally he started chuckling. Everybody was standing there looking at me. <laughs> but, uh. So, yeah, when I was waiting on the Uber, the everybody, like all the people, you know, people work there. It's almost like a national park. Right. You know what I'm saying? There's like people who close the gate when it's done and, you know, whatever. So this dude, uh, everywhere we went, all the other guys treated him like an OG. And they'd be like, hey, you know, they couldn't really talk to me a whole lot because they didn't speak good English. But they'd point at him and be like, you know, like he's, you know. Wow. Like dude was obviously very highly looked very highly upon yeah and they said that uh he held the record for being able to climb the great pyramid the fastest did he climb it to the top yeah he could climb it in uh seven minutes wow his son could do it in nine that's crazy did you try it no i wasn't allowed to they (laughs) fucking had these damn guards i definitely would have so they have guards it's more a tourist thing than just an open thing i've never been the part that that we were at was definitely a tourist thing, but when he took me around back, and I'm talking about, man, like, and I can't post this shit online. I have videos of it, but he made me promise not to post the shit online. He was just like, you know what I mean? Obviously, I could, but I wouldn't do that. You right. know what I mean? Just, yeah. I gave him my word. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, man, it was unbelievable, crazy shit that I've never even heard. They say, I've always heard people say that there's no hieroglyphics at the Great Pyramid. I seen some hieroglyphics in these tombs That's back true. behind up. Yeah, it was crazy, man. Did you? Uh, what did you feel? Did you feel something? Did you do something? Did you? Did you pull the Aleister Crowley in there and uh, summon anything in there? And man, come back? Was... Are you? Are you back in Nashville right now with with the power? <laughs> yeah. There was this one stone, right? That was, I think it was Ramsey the Third. Uh-huh. I think it was something to do with him. It was something to do with something they built for him. But the old dude told me. He said, I want you to go over there and put your hands on the stone and, and you know, close your eyes and, and breathe. And he said, sometimes people have visions. And he said, you may you may feel something. Man, I didn't have any visions right then, but I swear <laughs> to God, I had the craziest feeling like I was high or something on the back of my neck and back. Really? Yeah, like I felt some energy. Felt something? Man, it was it was crazy. Yeah, and it freaked me out a little bit because I was like, man, this is real. Like, this dude told me it was going to be some shit. And it was. And it was. That's yeah. so weird. Yeah. So you didn't, you didn't call it anybody, huh? No, nah, I didn't. I don't think I channeled anything, brought anything back. What? Well, I was hoping he did. That's re- I invited <laughs> you out here. I was like, what does he got? I might just be faking the whole shit. You know what I mean? Maybe I did bring something back. Maybe you did. Are we really here? Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. That's cool. I was in Australia. Man, Australia was cool. The fires uh, are going on right now. As I mean, you know. Yeah, we didn't. It was crazy because the smoke had made it to New Zealand, mm-hmm. and uh, it was like driving through a cloud of cigarette smoke or something. Like it was pretty gross. It was that but, thick? Uh, 
I mean, it was like yellow. Like you were, fl- I've never seen anything like it. Like you were flying through like orange smoke and it had made its way to New Zealand. And, um, yeah, man, and we didn't see any fires ourselves because right. it was more in the bush and <clears throat> wolf shows were more like in the cities. Okay. So luckily we, you know, hopefully they're, they're got them under control and shit, but, uh, we saw a lot of smoke and in Sydney and I believe Melbourne, the smoke was pretty thick. It was actually hard to breathe. Really? Like gave you a crazy feel headache. It. Yeah. Really? That's crazy. Yeah. But Australia was dope, man. People were really cool. There was a whole lot of love out there. They really love yellow wolf out there. Now when you guys, really? They, yeah, they yeah. know wolf? Like I mean, that. dude, they were losing their mind. Yeah. It kind of gets that everywhere he goes, though, right? Absolutely. But yeah, overseas, I Is mean. It di- it's different, obviously. I've never been overseas. Yeah. Now, New Zealand too. New Zealand. I mean, uh, we did a festival and he had thirty thousand people out there going crazy. It was wow. amazing. Bay Dreams. What's he? What's it like to be like on tour with him and Clever? Is anyone else with you guys? It's just you guys. Me, Clever Wolf, and um, our lighting design Keegan. Mm-hmm. I mean, shit, man. We're all like, yeah, it's just all like, like brothers, family, right? man. Yeah, it's so just it's like, like a. Like a like a family I mean it's almost getaway. weird when I'm not on the road with them you know what I mean it's like that's that's when you know shit smooth sailing <laughs> it's a lot of fun it's like it's super busy but do you fear sometimes like he's he's on his own like you've been around him so much and you take care of like so many things day to day are you like oh shit he's by himself because no, no, I've, no, I've seen no. some things that you gotta you know, give him some space sometimes yeah okay that yeah. makes I don't not to mean like you're his babysitter and no, no, he, he no, can't no. handle well, his own is, shit but but every now and then you'll see something in, in Wolf flipping out on yeah. something or somewhere and you're just like uh, maybe Alice wasn't there that day <laughs> like do you keep him grounded you <laughs> nah, seem like something I mean, you seem like the core of a lot of shit you do you know what I mean that's, a, that's interesting man yeah you seem like the core not saying that everyone gravitates towards you but, right, right, but right. anything you put your whatever into it seems like you're the core like you know what i mean like you got the basis of, of all right. that that's what i think well, wolf is a beast the only reason i mean it helps you know like if if people are asking for too many pictures or anybody will get stressed out you know what i mean so yeah. it helps to have someone to intervene and you know here i'll take the picture for you all right cool we're out of here you know what i mean where he don't gotta be the bad guy or something yeah but i mean you know anybody under pressure like that at some point you're gonna lose your fucking mind you know yeah, I, I can't imagine that. I mean, I have a hard enough time just hanging out with the kids all day. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to <laughs> run and keep up with him. We're uh, he runs like five miles a day. I seen he's is he starting to run again? Uh, he's been running for shit. I don't even know how long now. He's ran over three hundred miles. Wow. I got an app. I got the app on my phone too. I ran like thirty two miles. But oh, you ran too? Yeah, I mean, I run too, but yeah, not. I mean, I'll split it between working out and running or whatever. But he's not going to do the Forrest Gump thing, is he? He's just going to oh, take man, off he... one day and start running across the country? I think he's going to do a marathon soon. Is he? Yeah. Somebody else just uh, ran across the country. Did you hear about that? No. Uh-uh. I believe it was a rapper. So I think they did it. I think their father passed away. I wish I could remember who it was. I think their father passed away. Like, in the, in the name of him, mm-hmm. they decided to walk or run across and then, like, Met up with a couple celebrities to join them on the walk. Sure. I wish I knew who it was. I can't think of it. I'll look it up. Yeah. That's crazy. So is it, you guys are going to take off walking? <laughs> you just take off walking, <laughs> yeah. man. Yeah. I guess it's the same thing as touring, just slower. Because you guys <laughs> tour all over the country, all right. over the world. Right. World, right? Yeah. Yeah, you guys have been everywhere. Man, she's, I mean, we're going to Russia in February. Paris, uh, fucking, man, all over the place. Ukraine, I think. Yeah. 
Do they yeah. do they treat you guys like the Americans, or do they treat you like, hey, like yellows in town? Other countries, uh, man, it's funny how they look at America, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely like. It seems like some other places really got their shit together. Not not saying we don't, but we got our business together. We got our business together. Yeah, but we don't have they, our ethics together. No, 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 no. I mean, yeah, it, internationally, man, they. They love Wolf, man. That's crazy. Yeah. What What's the attraction? What was the attraction for you? Just because you guys were friends and he just happened to rap. What are you talking about? Like, why do people gravitate towards this dude? This dude is, I mean, he's a dope artist. Right. Special um, human being. Um, Wolf is talented and, I mean, he'll take a napkin and have like a lightning bolt idea and create some shit real quick and then forget about it himself. I mean, dude is just artistic and creative and every single thing he does if he's running down the street something about it super creative and different than the other guy mm-hmm. he's just a he's the real definition of an artist man and i just you know i've always felt strong about working with him because i believe in him you know what i mean i believe in the artistry obviously as we all know there's a lot of people who rap who aren't necessarily artists you know what i mean right but now nah, wolf is a is a well-rounded real life artist and he's shown that because, you know, when he first come out, people are just like, eh, another way to do the rap. Right. No, he's absolutely proved that, man, and shown that. And I mean, for a long time, and he still does it here and there now, but for like a, a year maybe, he mm-hmm. was designing every merch piece we had. every At the store? Or just period, like on Online, the road? I mean, like, you know, all those dope pieces that we had capsules of last year. Uh-huh. Like, we damn near try to get them to stop you know like <laughs> you know what i'm saying like and let's get these designers back and, and let them do it you know what i mean let's right. focus on but now nah, wolf is always drawing something or creating something or making just always making some shit or do you get something. to do any of that what's hey, that do you get to put your two cents in on the hell yeah design I mean, and everything i mean yeah whenever it's kind of like you know we're bleaching shirts and you know everybody's got their hands in it you know what i mean the whole crew is yeah. it a big crew or is it pretty small I mean, as far as the business, it's really just me, Wolf, our partner J Dot, who's his manager. I remember J Dot, yeah. Um, Kenny, who's our uh, head of sales, mm-hmm. um, and he runs a whole warehouse and runs all our merchandise and everything. And our our friend John Newport. That's it. That's it. Keep I mean, we smart. have employees at the shop, and you know, of I mean, there's it's a spider web that reaches out, but that's the core. You know what I mean? Yeah. That that shop, do you have anything to do with that shop opening up? I pretty much stay away from the shop unless I have to, you know, unless, I mean, I love the shop, but I'm saying like, I don't really, I've got my hands full with so many other things. I can't imagine. But the shop is just <laughs> like, you know, I like to go to the shop and not have any responsibilities. You know what I mean? Right. When we had, when we had the tattoo side in there, I was over that. Like, I had to help find the tattoo artists and, you know, get them situated and, you know, had a piece in that. But mm-hmm. once it, once we decided to get that out of there. Oh, you don't do tattoos anymore? Just barbershop. Really? Retail. I remember y'all had some problems with a couple of the artists yeah, or yeah, something. We I, was, I was getting that, you know, my my uh, drama feel on Instagram <laughs> watching that. Like, like who yeah. is this dude? Nah, that shit was crazy, man. Well, that was the problem with tattoo artists. I mean, all the tattoo artists we could get along with and were dope. We're obviously already in a great situation and weren't able to move to Nashville. Right. So the couple, it just was drama, man, for whatever reason. 
It was just drawing me. I don't know if that's across the board with every tattoo artist all the time. Or well, they're, they're a little weird. Yeah. Tattoo artists, always they're always a little, I mean, come on, they're sitting there all day, shit's vibrating in their hand, they're smelling right. the ointment, and you got a tattoo. That's a hell of a way to yeah. put it. Yeah. You got a tattoo to either the same thing over and over, or like dumb shit. Right. I want a unicorn on my head with fucking... an Alabama shirt. And you know what I mean? People are like, come on, man, that's stupid. Taking shit off the wall. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, tattoos are weird, man. You got a lot of tattoos. Yeah, none of them look like off the wall flash pieces. No, though. I haven't picked anything <laughs> off the wall. What is all that? Uh, this is this has to do with my fucking psychoactive, uh, uh, what you call it, interest in in psychoactive plants and shit. It's an astronaut coming out of a campfire. I mean, you see what that is? That's Chichen Itza. The you were there. You went there. I remember. Yeah, yeah. How was that? Is that you in the spaceship? Yeah, I mean, it's just me getting abducted. No, I'm fucking Man, right. you don't uh, take me nowhere. You, you get abducted, you're going right, all pyramids. Come on, man. I thought... Yeah, no, nah, we were there, man. I was just went there for my <laughs> second time uh, like a month ago in December. Yeah. And then we also went to, what the fuck is this shit called? Uh, the Pyramid of the Sun and the Moon, which, oh, is, yeah. which is right outside of Mexico City, like two hours. So we went there to, it's like the Avenue of the Dead. It's called... Uh, T.O.T. Wakan. And we went there, I think it was like, man, it was probably about a month ago. Yeah. yeah. So tell me about the, the psychedelics. That that whole, are you into everything or just shrooms? Because I noticed you take an interest in nature. Yeah, uh, man. I'm past uh, couple of years. Absolutely. I'm like, the thing about mushrooms is I got in, I got into enjoying them by accident back in a, when I used to hustle or whatever and yeah. deal with the weed. I bought a bunch of shrooms thinking, not knowing anything about them, thinking, shit, all right, this is a way to make some money. You know what I mean? And then I realized people buy shrooms one time. You know what I mean? And they never do it again. And I have a couple It's not pounds. like repetitive. No, nah, you don't have like people hooked on shrooms. You know what I mean? So anyway, I ended up eating like probably a pound and a quarter of shrooms. Not at one time, obviously, like over a period. <laughs> yeah, you, know you would have I mean? been gone. Sharing with all my friends and everything. And, um, crazy how this worked out and then you get to a point sometimes with psychedelics where your adult mind gets to be a little too heavy to be able to handle it you right. know what i mean and you have what they like to call a bad trip which is really just a challenging trip maybe you need to face some shit so that's why you're going through that because kids don't younger people don't usually have a problem like that but uh so anyway i left it alone I was like all right man unfortunately i can't trip the person i used to trip with all the time ended up killing himself so i had a fear of like man i'm gonna have this weird thing if man get a person <laughs> that's rough they killed himself and it was like that's who i tripped with every single time i was like man i can't do this shit and then it's ironic i didn't even think about this till right now but it was my birthday one year and me wolf and jelly roll went to the crab shack right yeah and jelly i think he just had some shrooms on him or something <laughs> and he was like, he didn't, I don't think he brought them for me for my birthday, but he had them. I was like, yo, happy birthday. Tossed me some shrooms. I was like, oh, cool. Thanks, man. And I put them in my uh, nightstand. A couple <laughs> years go by and I was moving. Never fucked with them. I was moving and found them. I was like, fuck, man, I'm going to eat these. So I ate them. They worked. And then, uh, yeah, man, I started getting more into it. Did ayahuasca. I've uh, done the DMT stuff. You know, ayahuasca, you do with a shaman. Right. Um, but the shrooms, man, they, they help with a lot of things and help with like, uh, I mean, it's very widely studied right now specifically. 
like John Hopkins University studying a lot about mushrooms and um, the benefits. But I mean, it can really change who you are. Like I, I was going through a period where I was drinking too much, uh-huh. too much alcohol, and uh, it wouldn't be so bad. But I would tend to get arrested and pick fights, and it was just always some dumb shit when I was getting drunk. You were that dude. I was that guy, and I could never really shake it. It wasn't like I didn't drink every day, but when only I only when you only when you tipped is when you became that dude. But I tipped every time. Oh my! I was that guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was always, and everybody around me is getting in fights. So anyway. I kind of intended to, man, I want to take these and my intention is to learn how to leave this alcohol alone, but not like, not like an addict. You know, I don't want to do like, I had to go to court ordered uh, AA meetings and they wanted me to stand up and say, Hey, I'm such and such. I'm an addict. I was like, I'm not going to do it, man. Cause that's not what I am. So anyway, and that's against what they believe in and I respect what they believe in. But, um, so anyway, one day I ate like a half an ounce of mushrooms, which is pretty big dose. Yeah, it is. You know, and uh, man, ever since then, I, I don't really drink. I don't like the taste. I don't. That's but crazy. I can go to the bar. Yeah. I can enjoy time with people at the bar. It's amazing, man. You can change. You can quit smoking cigarettes. You can you can change anything. It rewires your entire process. It like rewires your neurotransmitters, and I mean, yeah, it can completely change who you are in a positive way. Like put it this way, my mom tells me you haven't tripped in a while, have you? Like you're about due for some mushrooms. She can tell. She knows. It's like, it was like, man, you were the best ever in life when you were doing the mushrooms every two weeks. Really? Yeah, it's never, medicine. I've never done mushrooms. I've yeah, never drink it. I've never drank alcohol. I've never had you a never taste. Drank alcohol? Never had a taste of alcohol. That's amazing, dude. I, damn, you don't know too many people like that. I can't tell you what it tastes like. I can tell you what it smells like. It doesn't right. smell good. Right. Yeah. And what made you not want to drink? I just never got around to doing it. That's fucking awesome. It, it's all around me. Alcoholics and parties. It's all right. around me. Strong. I never touched it. It's fucking awesome, dude. Well, if you ever want to do mushrooms, I'll take you to the creek. Oh, the creek? The creek, man. The, the creek water? Yeah, go down to the creek, sit down there, talk to the dragonflies. <laughs> uh, uh, yes. Yeah, maybe, I mean, I might take you up on that. I'm a little nervous to to see what happens. I'm so, I'm such, and always in a good place in right. my mind. Right. I'm, I'm always, you know what I mean? I, I surround myself with my family, and that's it, pretty much. A couple right. friends. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That's it. So I'm, I'm always in a good place. I'm always learning, reading. Right. Uh, you know, my spiritual awakenings come multiple, multiple all the time. You know what I mean? What so, are you reading? Uh, right now I'm reading Ram Dass. That was dope. I got turned on to Ram Dass uh, through Pete Holmes. And he just passed away. He just passed away. On the day, <clears throat> uh, do you know Pete Holmes? Adult comedian. So. He had a show on HBO called Crashing, Crashing, and he does touring and everything. He's just a comedian, but right. he's got a beautiful story. Beautiful story. I read his book, uh, Sex, God, Love. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ordered his book that day on December 22nd. I learned it, and I started getting interesting. And what he was talking about, his guru was uh, Ramdas. Ramdas learned. Oh, wow. His guru was the Maharaji. So mm-hmm. on the day, the, the, the December 22nd is when I found that book and read it. Mm. Four days later, I started looking. I was like, oh, I'm going to look up some Ram Dass. Found out Ram Dass died. And what um, day did he die? The 22nd. The same day that that did book. Did you got that book? Yeah, same day I read the book. The same day wow. I found interest. Same day, you know, so it kind of like, there's something connected to that. You Absolutely. know, whatever it is. And I really don't care to tell anybody. Like, it's my business. And that's just, I'm just telling you. You know what I mean? Right. And, and the things that I'm feeling through that, like, I just haven't felt comfortable enough to talk to anyone about you. It's my thing. It's my right. business. You know what I mean? Dope, man. Yeah, it's mind really your own dope. shit. 
yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, you know, I I can just kind of awaken myself like that. I'm sure I can go farther with uh, psychedelics or like something. You don't like necessarily that. need like to me. I've I've uh, found a place like it's, and this is gonna sound completely fucking whacked out to anybody who's listening, but yeah, it seems like. Like, imagine if you've never heard of electricity. You come from the woods, right? You come okay. out of a cave. And, uh, you know, all you know is there's a there's a socket there, and I give you a guitar string, and you stick it in there, and you get shocked. And you're like, oh, shit, fuck that electricity shit. I don't want nothing to do with it. And you never mess but with it. But you don't know that you could power the whole city. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? If you utilize it properly. That, to me, is like psychedelics. Like, I feel like once you graduate to a certain level, you're at the end of the street in a cul-de-sac having grilling out with the neighborhood og you know what i'm saying yeah it's hard to explain but it's like you become more familiar with and you call me crazy that's fine but you can become have a relationship <laughs> with a plant spirit really believe it or not yeah wow yeah that's some like crazy man i don't want to get too deep oh, no no <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know <laughs> i need to leave it alone i was like oh shit i see myself in that camera was like shut the fuck up yeah yeah, I'm here to talk about Zilla, not this. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, this is you, so it's all good. You right, know what right, I mean? right. Yeah, so I've never had a need to uh, to to find that. Like I've always had not answers, but I could always follow uh, my questions and live right. through that pretty well. Like I don't, you know, the the past and the future are in your mind. I, right. I'm only in the present. That's fucking. And it's amazing. really hard to do. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> you meditate? I do. Yeah, Every yeah. morning, I you know I get up four o'clock. Um. So I can spend extra time. I spend extra time with myself. Like I'm that right. cool, right? No. <laughs> right? no, so I do that. I get up. I get up early. You know what I mean. I go to bed early. I get meditate. Up early. Meditate. Yeah, I do. I try to meditate and uh, try to work that out. You know, before the kids get up, I got to take care of them because I I take care of uh, you know my wife and the kids. Mm-hmm. We're both at the house, and and you know she works. Um, I homeschool the kids, mm-hmm. and that's my day routine every that's day. What's up? I refuse to let my kids into a public school. That's dope. Because of what public school <laughs> did nothing for me. Right. Yeah. So I get to teach them. So first part of the day, I get to teach them, uh, you know, the basics for the requirements for school. And then the rest of the time, I get to teach them the things that I'm into. Hell yeah, dude. That's yeah. how you're going to allow them to become a creative human being outside of the fucking right. cookie cutter. The choice. If they don't want to become that person, they don't have to. But well, they'll probably become whatever they're supposed to become outside of being molded by the public school. Right, right. But they need to have a choice. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't given that choice. I was raised a certain way, and I was taught to think that way. Right. But I came out of that early. I don't know what made me come out of that super early. Right. Um, but, you know, I'm blessed to, to, to have done that and blessed with the gift to observe. Right. So I've seen what you did. But I haven't experienced it myself. Right. You know what I mean? Well, I think there's something to be said, too, about... Like how you were saying school wasn't for you and you didn't really do the homework and this and that. I was the same way. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. And it seems like a lot of people who I know who are creative fucked up in school. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or who have found a way outside of a nine to five or outside of a, you know what I mean? Yeah. Didn't really fit into the whole public school thing. Yeah. I think it was because I wasn't, uh, nurt- I was nurtured with, with the fact of like sports fun and do this and do that you know what i mean but uh like as a creative side i don't think i was really nurtured for that my cousins the people are around like i hung out with like my friends my cousins my first cousins and uh my second cousins 
cousins on my dad's side and my mom's side. They're like mm. family, like brothers. I, I didn't have a brother. You know what I mean? I had two sisters. Mm. So uh, I just wanted to do what they wanted to do. They wanted to play ball. I wanted to play ball. Right. They wanted to do cars. I wanted to do cars. You know what I mean? I just, right. I was always, I'm the youngest one of the family. Right. And, uh, well, second to youngest. Who cares? But I just want to do what I see. Right. You know what I mean? And for some reason, maybe around seven or eight, that all changed. Mm-hmm. I started questioning stuff and trying to figure out what I want to do. You know what I mean? Right. But nothing ever made sense. I just kind of, I was raised the same way most people were raised. I just chose to look at it differently at a certain time. Right. I got hit in the head with a bat when I was young. For real? It wasn't like a major skull crack. It just made like a like a mark on my head. But I think maybe that, that triggered, maybe it opened something. That was Good. an elementary school. I remember that. Uh, it very well could. You know, the people like a lot of people get hit in the head and become a genius. Yeah. And I've never told anyone uh, that I think that's the reason why. But, I mean, you kind of put two and two together. Right. You know, I'm a normal kid. Do this, do this, do whatever, whatever. And then I get hit. And then it's the first time I ever kind of remember blacking out. I've never blacked out since. I haven't thrown up in about 20 years. For I haven't real? thrown up. No, actually, uh, longer than that, since I was five. I'm 41. You never thrown up? I haven't thrown up since I was five. I remember throwing up one time when I was five years old. I had some bad pizza. I think I was sick of the stomach. <laughs> I rolled over onto the carpet. Yeah, I, rolled funny over, shit. I rolled over to the carpet. I threw up. I was five years old. I remember that because I can remember the smell. It's weird. But uh, never since. I've never thrown up. What the fuck? Never even been sick? No food poisoning? Nothing? No. I mean, I've been, it goes when I get sick. I have bad shrimp one time with the wife. And it hers, she started throwing up. Mine goes the other way. Okay. So that I don't know. Sense. So that's how your body's wired. I think so. But I'm like, I get sick or like, I'll be on a, like, you know, not a roller coaster, but like, uh, get like motion sickness in a plane or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, what if I throw up? How do I, th- I don't know how to throw up. <laughs> I got no clue. I have no idea how to throw up. All right. With that being said, when you, when you take a lot of mushrooms, right? Mm-hmm. Throwing up is part of the process. Ah, see, I can't do that. So how, I thought, am I, how am I going to do that? But it's here's the thing, though. <laughs> it's it's thought of by shamans and shit like that. It's right. thought of as a purge, not getting sick. It's thought of as getting well. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's you know what I mean. It's like a uh, it's a positive thing. It's a good thing. Right. It's not like oh you're over there on heroin throwing up. No, it's like you're cleansing your body of energies and and things that you need to get out yeah you get what i'm saying but shit if you're shitting them out you're doing just the same okay so i might be safe (laughs) yeah and you know you know uh that's what uh ramdas says a lot uh i keep repeating them because that's just what i'm reading right now after that but you know he talks about that you know in uh harvard him and leary uh they were doing these all studies and stuff Mm -hmm. and they were lsd and everyone and he's done them shrooms and all that shit Mm -hmm. you know so i'm just ramdas was big into i mean he's a He's one of the poster childs for for psychedelics. Yeah. That's interesting that you're reading that. Yeah. Like, really I weird. need to check that out because I don't know. I only know about him what, what I've heard, you know, based around Leary and, you know what I mean, these other guys. Yeah. But I don't know enough about Super him. interesting. Super really? interesting. Yeah. Check him out. You I know he time. went to like India for a while, right? Or yeah, he did. He went and met the Maharaj and didn't believe shit. Uh, he was, you know, a Western culture, of course. He went there and not believing it. People over there touching the Maharaj touching his feet just want to be around him and he was like man these people are really weird like you know so he took some acid <laughs> right so the whole time he's taking acid right? right and uh so he goes to the maharaji and uh he looks at him and he stares at him for a minute and he stares back and then he starts telling him about how his mom passed 
Like he never he was met telling them. the Maharaji. The Maharaji started telling, telling Ramdas okay. about how his mom passed and all his pain, and it just blew him away. And Damn. he said the next time that he was able to meet the Maharaji, all he wanted to do was touch his feet. <laughs> wow! That's yeah, crazy. super strong. See, and he also sat down with him, and uh, the day he was he was gathering up at like a meeting, they're like, "Okay, you can come see him now," because mm-hmm. it's like a spiritual journey or whatever. And he had a bunch of LSD with him or some pills. Mm-hmm. I think they were white lightnings or something. What they call? I don't know the whole drug thing, but uh, I guess Ramdas knew before he before he told him. He's like, "You got the medicine," and he was like, "Yeah." He was like, "Give it to me." Who gave, did the Maharaj? The Maharaj. He said, "Wanted yeah. some acid." Yeah, he said, "Give it to me," and he gave it to him. He took it. He was like, uh, he gave him like nine hundred milligrams of some sort of LSD. Yeah. yeah, and it, and then he gave him some more, and he ended up taking like wow. a whole bunch, of, and it did not affect the Maharaj at all. It didn't even affect him. No, that's the spiritual place he was in. He was in such a spiritual place; it did not affect him. That's deep. Yeah, I mean, but if you look into it and read it, the, yeah, I, don't, I tell them, I don't tell it as well as they do, you know. No, that's, you but it's great, it great well. teachings, for real. And, you know, Pete Holmes, uh, that dude is super connected with his spirituality also. Really? Yeah. They'd look him up, read his book. I'm um, going to check that book out. I'm reading one right now called uh, How to Change Your Mind. Mm-hmm. And it's about the present, obviously, dealing with me as psychedelics, but it's, it's written by a really, uh, really reputable guy. I can't remember his name. I want to say somebody Pollen or something. Anyways, it's like a best-selling book about psychedelics right now. The studies they're doing and what it does for depression and PTSD. Right. And you know what they're using it for medicinally. It's pretty pretty sick book too. Very interesting. You're feeling all that? Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hell That's yeah. dope. Well, I don't want you know keep it too long, man. I'm sure you got a bunch of wolf business. I got I got to talk on the phone and shit. Yeah, you got it back to the phone. Yeah. Nah, I appreciate you coming out, man. No, so I'm glad much. I'm glad to be I'm, here, man. I'm glad to time. get to know you a little better. Yeah, likewise. As, as much as you want to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we can go hours and hours. Yeah, like yeah, I don't yeah, want to yeah. keep it too long. You know what I mean? That's but, what's up, man. But that's cool. I appreciate it, man. Thank yeah, you yeah. so much. Anything appreciate you. you got any good stories? Oh, One story that sticks out. Since we're on, since you tour manage with Yellow man, Wolf, shit, I'm trying to think of something. If you you're good at questions, man, if you had a question, I'd be able to tell a story. I don't know. Off the top of my head, <laughs> uh, worst night ever with Yellow Wolf <coughs> on tour. Man. Don't paint him bad. Don't paint him bad. Wolf. No, no, no. Shit. <laughs> it's not me. I just asking a question. Uh, man, there's really not too many bad nights, man. I mean, the only time I've had a bad night is when I got to argue with a promoter behind the stage while he's performing about him breaking the first mic and wondering if he's going to break the second. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been, I've probably argued with promoters or, you know, venue people behind the stage while he's performing four or five times, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just, uh, I remember one night in New York specifically when uh, their sound was shit. It was all the way their fault, not Wolf's. And uh, they didn't have the right side fills that, that we demand on our rider. So it was all the way their fault. And when they fuck up the sound like that, man, he's serious about his sound. So he'll start breaking shit. You know what I mean? Didn't know, yeah. And he was kicking monitors off the stage and, and smashed. Thinking all, he smashed three mics. But he ended, up, he ended up smashing. He was two in. 
And then the guy had me out back of the thing and was like, I'm about to call the police. I don't want to, but they're going to start rioting if I do. And, and if he stops the show, they're going to riot. And I was like, look, man, if you don't chill the fuck out, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's not going to be a riot. Let the man finish the show. If he breaks five mics, we'll pay for him. You know what I'm saying? Like, Just relax. Calm down. Yeah, nah. I mean, it's all good nights on tour, man. Yeah. I, can't, I don't really have any bad nights. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So glad. No, it's all good all the time. It's just been a couple of times when, you know, their sound will suck and he'll break some shit and gets a little stressful. <laughs> Other than that, it's all good. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's cool. I appreciate it, man. Thank yep. you so Thanks much. Thanks for having me, man. No problem. No problem. Uh, what's your website? Uh, I mean, I got a website. I don't have nobody to update it for me right now, but it's uh, edwardcrow.com. Okay. Edward, and it's just about, photography and just video. photography? Yeah. Oh, you got those beautiful black and whites on there. You do great. Appreciate it, man. And uh, what about like Instagram? People want to follow you. Watch the cool shit I watch. You yeah, don't post yeah, much. Yeah. I don't but, post much. But when yeah. you post, it's cool shit. And that's uh, the reason why I hit you up when you were in Egypt. And I was like, man, when you get back, can we talk? And you're like, I got you. <laughs> that's what's up, man. Yeah. Uh, what the fuck is my... I changed it recently. It's edward.crow, C-R-O-W-E. So E-D-W-A-R-D dot C-R-O-W-E. Okay. Yeah. Again, appreciate it. Instagram. So good to see. You. Hope it's not another ten years before we talk. Man, no, man. We should. We gotta work <laughs> on something, man. Yeah, for sure. Come out on one of these shoots or something. Thank you for listening to the Flock with Us podcast. Uh, a lot of hard work and time has been put in. A lot of people taking time out of their day to stop to talk to me. Uh, I appreciate it. The Flock With Us podcast was recorded at 4110 Gallatin Pike in Nashville, Tennessee. Audio recorded by Joe Rilla. Video recorded by Joe Rilla. Sound composed, Joe Rilla. I did everything. I did everything on my own. This is a podcast that I've really had a passion for. And I really like to share. Uh, it's I do it all on my own if you're interested in doing your own podcast contact me uh go to flockwithus.com reach out be happy to chop it up with you talk with you uh about doing your own podcast uh to broadcast your own podcast i personally use anchor.fm i am using anchor.fm uh for content creators at the 4110 Gallatin Pike. A hub for all creators to create content. That's a lot of create I'm saying. I understand that. Uh, check it out. Thank you for listening to the Flock With Us podcast. <laughs>